the topic of our study of this hour is the significance of Sabbath worship. And I'd like you to notice the meaning of five words. Number one, worship. Number two, sign. Number three, Israel. Number four, redemption. And number five, displayed. The first is worship, Sabbath worship. In Revelation, the 14th chapter, verses 6 and 7, we read the marvelous message of God to a world just before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes like this, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Sing with a loud voice, fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship him that made heaven and earth. You'll notice the one that we're to worship, him who made heaven and earth. It sounds, as we read this, as though we're reading part of the fourth commandment that tells us to keep the holy seventh day because God made the heaven and the earth. I want you to notice this word worship. What is the significance of the word worship in its relationship to him who made the heaven and the earth? This word worship found in Revelation 14, 7 is found 59 times in the New Testament where it is translated from an original word meaning, according to Dr. Young, to kiss the hand toward. So Sabbath worship is a love relationship. Number two, sign. In Exodus, the 31st chapter, we read in the 15th to the 17th verses, that the Lord made heaven and earth, and he rested on the seventh day, wherefore it, the Sabbath is a sign. It is a sign. The word sign can be a mark, an ensign, a banner, or a flag. But the word sign comes from an original word that is translated twice as miracle. And many times when the word sign itself is used, it means miracle. So here we have worship, sign. Worship, kiss the hand toward. The sign, miracle. So we have a miracle-love relationship. The next word is Israel. From, uh, from the same text of Scripture, Exodus 31, 15 to 17, it says, it is a sign between me and Israel. The word Israel is a spiritual word. We find its first use in Genesis, chapter 32, verse 28. 
Jacob was wrestling with the angel. And the day was breaking. And the angel said, I must go for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, oh, don't, please don't leave me. I, I cannot, I, I will not let you go except you bless me. And the angel said, what is your name? Ah, Jacob hated to say, my name is Jacob, signifying deceiver, supplanter, the shrewd one who knows how to pull sharp deals. And the angel said, yes, I will respond. I am now responding to your request. No longer will your name be Jacob. I'm now going to make you into a new man, the idea. And your na new name is Israel, prevailer, overcomer. So now we have three words, worship, sign, Israel. Worship, a love relationship. Sign, a miracle. So a miracle love relationship. Israel, putting Israel together with worship, and sign we have this. God's miracle love relationship changes an individual from his first birth to his second birth and makes him a new creature in Christ Jesus. The fourth word is redemption. In Colossians, the first chapter, verses 14 and 15, it says, we have redemption through Christ's blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And then two verses beyond says, why we have redemption, on what basis we have redemption. It says, for or because by him were all things created in heaven and earth. In other words, the basis of our new birth, the basis of our redemption, it says, is the creative power of our Redeemer. Now we place the four words together, worship, a love relationship, sign, a miracle love relationship. Israel, a miracle love relationship that changes a person from the old nature to the new nature. Redemption means placing it as the fourth of the four words. A love, a miracle love relationship that changes an individual from the old nature to the new relationship, this is the redemption that we have because he alone can create in us new creatures. Because of this, the fifth word, displayed. Before presenting to you this fifth word, let me sort of summarize these four words in the text of Scripture, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. This is what it says. He brought me into his banqueting house. That's he. That's our creator. And his banner over me was love. The Sabbath banner represents this love relationship, this miraculous love relationship that changes us from what we were to what we shall be. This is the redemptive creative power of God. Now we are enjoying this banqueting house relationship with the Lord. As the Holy Sabbath closes, we go forth to display this miracle relationship. And this is found 
in the 60th Psalm and the fourth verse. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Now here's this Sabbath sign, this Sabbath banner, this love relationship, this miraculous love relationship that changes a person from what he is that he deplores in himself, perhaps, and brings to him this redemptive new birth. And as he goes forth from this wonderful relationship with his Lord, he displays this banner. The word displayed comes from an original word, which may surprise you as it did me when I first found it. Displayed means, says Dr. Young, to show self fleeing. Friends, is not this the creative power of God that changes a person from his selfish ways, from wanting to shove his weight around to the place where Jesus dwells in him and self fades away into the background? What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. No wonder that the psalmist said, Come, let us worship. Let us bow down before the Lord our Maker. For it is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. He is the one who gives the new birth. It is his Holy Spirit that changes us from carnality to a spiritual individual. It cannot be done by human wisdom. It is a definite working of the Holy Spirit, a wonderful creator, working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. May I share with you an example of how this takes place? We were conducting a series of meetings in a certain place several years ago, and we were endeavoring to really give a picture of Jesus Christ as our nail prayer indicates at the beginning of each of our services. And as we tried to, dis to present a little bit of the love of Jesus Christ, we realized that it was impossible to really picture it as it is. Said John, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. He said, Behold what manner of love. I can't describe it, for it's undescribable. Behold his love that he's bestowed upon us. It, it, it buys description. It challenges description. Human words are inadequate. You just have to look at it. And as we're presenting this beautiful Sabbath love, this love relationship that is based on the miracle of his creating in us this new birth, this new experience, there was a lady that asked for an interview. She came into the pastor's study where we were, and she took an hour explaining the awful situation in her home. We'll call her name Beth, and we'll call her husband's name Dirk. Beth spent an hour telling about how Dirk had, had fallen in love with another woman. He had left Beth 
He'd left the children destitute. He'd gone off to New York City, 1,500 miles away, to live with this wicked woman. And Beth had some little children, and so she felt she couldn't work out. She would have to be a mother to the home. And so she became the charge of the state. After a few weeks passed, an officer of the state came to see her. He said, Beth, we think we know where Dirk is. And if you'll initial this document, it will authorize us to go locate him, extradite him. We shall bring him back to his home state. We shall try him. And if necessary, we shall jail him until he learns his lesson to be a providing father and a respectable husband. So she said, I initialed the document. They found Dirk in New York City. They extradited him. They returned him to his home state and tried him. And he was jailed for three months. She said, at the conclusion of these three months, they imposed a heavy fine and released him on condition that he would return to his family and would support his family as he should. She said, now, Pastor Kuhn, he has been back home for approximately three months, but he's becoming restless, and he's throwing out little hints that any day now he will leave again to go with this woman, and then he's added this little postscript, and this time I shall get lost. They will never find me again. She said, Pastor, in spite of all the meanness of my husband, I still love him. And the children need a father. And I would like to have him remain. Can you help me? Can you give me any counsel by which uh, he might remain home? I said, yes, indeed I can. And I opened God's blessed word. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And I brought to her view something of this kiss-the-hand toward relationship between the human soul and God, and consequently between the human soul and the undeserving. We're all undeserving of his love. Since he's willing to shed abroad his love in our hearts, shouldn't we drink in of that love and in turn display that love? to others who are likewise undeserving. We had spent a little time in explaining this scripture, the word Israel. God is creator. He can change a, change a Jacobite into an Israelite. He can bring redemption into the human heart that is carnal and use his carnal weapons. And he'll help us to display this love to the undeserving. I said, now I shall give you five texts of scripture. The first is, you'll go back home, according to, to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, which says, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. Dirk needs to be healed, indeed, of this awful situation that has controlled him. He's a victim. So in order for him to sense his need, you'll apologize for your part in any ill feelings, irritations, 
retaliations in the home. That is the first. Friends, as I shared that with, with Beth, I saw her begin to retaliate against what I was saying. But she was kind in the way she retaliated. She said, Pastor, you seem to have misunderstood. Pastor Coon, Dirk left us. I was faithful to him. He left the children destitute. We could have starved for all he cared. Now I'm to go and apologize to him? Why do you tell me that? I said, Beth, don't misunderstand me. I'm not the one telling you this. This is the Bible. The Lord says this. He inspired the Apostle Paul to say, or the Apostle James to say, apologize to each other. You see, Beth, Dirk without a doubt equates his jail sentence with your having initialized, initialed that document. So you can say to Dirk, Dirk, I'm sorry for any irritations, for any sarcastic remarks that I've made. Will you forgive me, Dirk? And I thought I saw a little assent on the part of Beth. So I said, and now the next. You will be a sweetheart to Dirk, a real, genuine sweetheart. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16 says of our Lord, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. You see, friends, how this fits into Sabbath worship, the kiss the hand toward worship, relationship toward the Lord, and then the Lord in us revealing the same type of relationship in our homes and wherever we are. And I said, so your voice will be sweet. What you say to Dirk will be kind. Your remarks will be winsome. You'll be a wholesome sweetheart. And I thought that, uh, I thought that Beth was sort of assenting again. And then I gave her two other texts of Scripture, and I finally concluded with this text. Listen, this is a little hard to say, Beth, but it is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. It says, And let the wife see that she reverence her husband. I said, So you'll follow these other things that I've read to you from the Bible what you'll do. You'll follow them through with a true, sincere reverence for Dirk. Friends, that was more than Beth could take. She almost went into shock. She said, Pastor, you just don't seem to understand the situation at all. You mean I am to reverence a man who has left me, who left his children destitute? He never has sent one penny for the support of his children. He ran off to New York City with his harlot, and he never would have returned had the state not caught up with him. Now, I'm to reverence him. I said, Beth, I know what you mean. I realize this, but Beth, and I don't know just how I said it, but usually when we counsel ladies in a situation like this, we state, look, it is not that he deserves your reverence. It is that this man feels so drained 
of his own respectability. He feels like a heel, like he really is. And he, he has no security left. He has no security in the Lord. And so he really, he feels like he is a nothing, which you feel like he is. And the law feels like he's a nothing, you know. So somewhere, somebody has got to give him hope. And by your giving him this deference, it is saying to him, God still loves you. God still respects you. God isn't waiting, Dirk, for you to shape up. He loves you as you are. And friends, do you know, one of the most difficult things for Christians to understand is that God loves the sinner as he is. God doesn't say to the sinner, after you shape up, then I love you. Romans 5, verses 8, uh, verses 8 and 10 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. While we were enemies of his, he loved us. So Dirk needs to see in your life a representation of this love relationship which God bestows. He bestowed it on Jacob. Jacob didn't deserve anything. He was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. He deserved none of the, of the process of redemption. But God being God, and God is love, he bestowed upon Jacob a new nature and new strength, victorious power. So, Beth, you will ask God to work in you to reflect to, to Dirk a beautiful reverence. Well, <laughs> I must tell you, friends, that a little argument ensued. It went something like this. But, Pastor, I don't know why you're telling me. And I would say, but, Beth, I'm not telling you. I'm reading it from the Bible. I have my hands full to accept in my own life what God has taught. Far from its originating with me, this originated with God. And I'm just a creature like you are. I'm totally dependent on his creative power. I have no strength in myself. It's not a do-it-yourself program. Finally, I thought that Beth accepted the whole picture. And we had prayer and she left. Either the same night at the meeting where I was holding the meetings, or the next night, the moment I was through with my sermon, Beth appeared right there in front of the rostrum. She looked eagerly into my face. She said, Pastor, I wonder if you would be willing to come over and visit Dirk. And you know, my friends, we visit lots of people. We visit in homes where men need our help. But the Holy Spirit impressed me. Don't do it. What Beth unconsciously is trying to do, the Lord seemed to be saying to me, what she's unconsciously endeavoring is for you to do what I want to do in her life. And she is hoping to shift the responsibility on you. Don't let her shift it. I will be her stay if she'll come to me and I will work in her directly. And so I got the message, darted from heaven like that. And I turned to Beth and I said, Beth, and I spoke as kindly as I could and modulated my voice and my countenance. I said, Beth, this is 
your assignment. God will bless you, or words to that effect. He will go with you. And I saw her countenance fall, and she walked away quite sorrowfully. Only a couple nights later, she was back again. Immediately at the close of the service, there she was at the front of the rostrum with a, with a similar anxious look in her countenance. Pastor, she said, I understand that there's a Bible instructor in this church, isn't there? I said, yes, there is, Beth. She said, I have an idea. Would it be all right if she went over and visited my husband? And again, the Lord darted the message to my heart. Without Beth realizing what she was doing, she was trying to shift her responsibility to someone else. Instead of Beth actually reflecting this love relationship for which the Holy Worship Day stands, she was so sure that it was so much Dirk's fault, and she thought of herself as being so spotless and so innocent that she thought somebody else ought to come over and convert Dirk. She didn't realize that she was Jacob, and she needed the converting power of the Creator Redeemer if that home was going to be happy. She made the mistake that many partners make. They think that when somebody runs off with, with someone else, that it is totally and entirely their fault. Friends, there are few separations that are one-sided. Many times the individual that goes to church next Sabbath and sings, love divine or love excelling, may be far more at fault than the individuals run off with someone else. Oh, how important it is for us to realize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I said, Beth, no, the Bible instructor does not have these responsibilities. Beth, this is your assignment. Days came and went. Our series of meetings was a 17-day series. I think it was about the 14th or 15th day of the series that Beth appeared at the close of the sermon again at the front of the rostrum. This time, her countenance was completely changed. Her face was beaming. She spoke enthusiastically. Pastor, something wonderful has happened. I must see you immediately. Fortunately, I had no other appointment at that moment. I said, come right back in. She came right back in the same study where we had visited about two weeks before. She said, Pastor, do you know when I left your study two weeks ago, I really planned to put into effect all that you had read to me from the Bible. She said, I found I couldn't put into effect any of it. I still blamed Dirk. I still knew it was all his own fault, the idea. And she said, as the days came and went, I was irked with Dirk. And there was nothing in me that could respond as God had told me to respond. She said, and then, a few days ago, as Dirk went to work in the morning, he said, Beth, when I come home tonight, I'm going to leave again, and this time get lost. She said, as he stepped out of the house and stepped into his car, I realized how helpless I was. I burst into tears. I rushed in the bedroom. I fell on my knees. I cried out to God to do something for me. And God says, friends, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. She said, as I was on my knees sobbing, the Holy Spirit impressed me 
get up, go to the closet, take out a couple suits, sponge them and press them up as they've never been pressed. Take some of his shirts, iron them up as they've never been. She said, I did it. She said, I even took his shoes out. I think she shined the shoes even. She said, when Dirk returned home and he saw those suits so beautifully done, the shirts in such good order, and the shoes, he said, what are these for? I said, you're making a long trip, you need them. She even helped him to pack. She said, Dirk went about 200 miles toward New York City. He couldn't go any farther. He was thinking, friends, of the love that he was leaving. He looked this way and that, turned right around and came home. By the time he got home, he chickened out. He said, I'm only going to be here a couple days, and then I'm going to leave again. During those two days, he saw a different Beth. He saw one that represented the true philosophy of the Sabbath, a love relationship on the basis of a miracle of a birth that only Jesus Christ can create. She said he started out again. This time he only got just outside of the city. She said, Pastor, last night when I came home with the children, the whole house was lighted up. Dirk was standing there in the picture window waving a wave of welcome. We walked in, she said, and we embraced each other. We're sweethearts again. We could hardly go to sleep. She said, I said to Dirk, I want to go to work and have somebody babysit, and I want to help you pay off the fine. She said, we're sweethearts again. Friends, worship is a love relationship. It's a miracle love relationship that changes an individual from the old carnality of the human soul to a new creature. This is redemption based on the creative power of our Redeemer. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for the true meaning of Sabbath worship. I pray, dear Lord, that those who are viewing may cry out and claim this promise. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who, dear Lord, but our Creator and Redeemer can do it? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.